What is going on, fellow filmmakers and creatives? Welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. But before we kick it off, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Brendan Sweeney, Filmmakers Academy member and host of Finding the Frame. And I just want to talk to you about the annual spring sale that we are currently running over at our platform. Are you ready to elevate your craft to new heights? Dive into a community where inspiration meets guidance, where camaraderie fuels creativity? Well, picture this. We have monthly virtual group coaching sessions, network events that spark collaborations, and fresh educational content lighting up your screen monthly. That's what awaits you as an annual all-access member. And guess what? Your journey starts now with an exclusive offer. Snag $150 off your first year when you use promo code ARMCAR150 at checkout. It's our way of saying welcome to the family. So why wait? Join us today and unlock the ultimate resource hub for cinematographers, film crews, and do-it-all filmmakers everywhere. And did I let you know that we just dropped our recent masterclass, Filmotechnic Camera Car Masterclass, where Shane Hurlbut ASC and his camera crew of working professionals go inside the arm car, break down what it's like to be a cinematographer, getting that confidence to be able to utilize this specialty tool to get the shot. We hope to see you in the family. We want to see you on the platform. Let's join the community, Arm Car 150. Check the show notes for the link and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Shane's Inner Circle Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Lydia. All right. Hello, Inner Circle members, and welcome to episode 38 of our podcast series. Shane and I are very excited to be here with you today and have some fun and exciting questions to answer, such as advice for women in the film industry and managing finances and stress. So stay tuned. And we are. All right. Sounds good. How y'all doing out there? So uh, thank you so much, Lydia. So this is a very unique uh, podcast because Lydia is in Los Angeles and I am in Ischia, Italy, which is a small remote island off the coast of Naples. And I'm shooting a movie here with Gabriel Muccino and just loving this experience. I love him as a director and uh, just having an incredible time. And we want to also tell you that we wanted to do something a little different on this podcast. We're going to be taking the a lot of questions from Instagram, from Twitter, from Facebook that our members have had and kind of uh, throw them into the hopper as well. So um, we have some from uh, that you submitted questions on, you know, the Inner Circle website. But these questions were so good on all the social media outlets that we wanted to share them with all of you and just wanted to try this out. So this is a test run. See what you all think. All right, let's get down to it. So our first question, do you have any advice for women in the film industry? Well, this is a very hot topic right now. And I have to say, if there is any time for uh, women to get into the film industry, this is a golden time. There has been such a resurgence of kind of support 
from so many members within the ASC community, within the the producers, the directors, Guild. A lot of outlets have really been supporting uh, women in film. And um, I think it's it's an incredible time uh, to get into this business. And I think that one of the things that I find, and I, I, I just want to describe this experience for you so you can kind of understand my thought process. There's a lot of superhero movies out there. Unfortunately, that seems like all that Hollywood can produce. And the superhero movies that are done by male directors are different than the ones that are done by female directors. Now, there's only been really one female director superhero uh, film done, and that was Wonder Woman. And I thought it was very personal. It was very intimate. It was very emotionally connected to the characters. There was just enough action. But what, what was there more than anything Uh, more than any other superhero movie I'd ever seen, is the connection to the characters, the emotional impact you felt for them. You wanted them to uh, survive. You wanted them to, to, to win, to live, to conquer the day. And what I find that the, the female perspective is so much more based in the characters and not so much based in the action. Now, when you go to a superhero movie, you're expecting a lot of action. Well, she had the right recipe for just enough story, just enough emotion, just enough character development, and just enough action on any film that I had ever seen in the superhero genre. So I think this is something that I feel the women are going to be bringing to the film industry. And I'm telling you, I want more of that because I feel that the guy-driven action and adrenaline and testosterone is done and it's over. And I think uh, a perfect example of that is, you know, we have uh, Hollywood producing these massive blockbusters that are dwindling in their revenue. And we have Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all these other entities that are actually doing dramas where you feel, where you have the emotion, you connect with the characters. And this is the future. The superhero world is about ready to be washed up. And uh, I think that, you know, connecting to the characters and taking you on an emotional journey and understanding who they are and what they're about. This is why uh, television is having such a huge burst of energy and, uh, and why everyone is watching all these shows because you can actually have a character arc. The characters can really evolve. They don't have to cut to the chase within, within five minutes. I got to know who all my characters are. And if I'm not blowing something up or killing somebody or shooting somebody or attacking or stabbing somebody, then I have lost my audience. Well, with television, it's a slow burn. 
and you get into these characters and they have the the quote-unquote awesome cliffhangers and they leave you right there and you then you got to binge watch it and then you watch the next episode and then it it cliffhangs you again in the next episode this is great character development this is the future of our industry and uh i feel women uh are going to have a, an amazing impact on that and i'm so excited about you know where this is going to take you know women in film Lydia, what do you have to say about that? I agree, Shane. And just to capitalize on your point, I think that, first of all, Patty Jenkins rocked it with Wonder Woman. I mean, she was just an extraordinary director and... The visuals were so exciting, and I think it's the relationship piece that you're really referring to, where women, uh, relationships come first. It's the number one important uh, thing that we have. I mean, we're all about relationships, and this plays very well in the film industry because, you know, characters have relationships crews have relationships. You know, you have a relationship with your rental house. And I think that women are very, very adept at developing relationships. As you and I talked about before, I think the old mentality for women and what a lot of women our, my age, um, have experienced is a really, really tough, tough road with a very male-dominated hierarchy. And I think that they have had to set themselves apart, as we talked about, um, and work harder than anybody, be smarter than anybody to kind of get to get noticed. And so... No, exactly that. I mean, you know, you, you women have asked me, you know, what's your secret to success at getting into the film industry? And I go, well, you have to work 10 times harder than any man. You have to set yourself apart and you're not going to set yourself apart unless you are doing that. And these are the things that have been you know, kind of set these weird standards within this uh, within this industry that I think we're starting to shatter. We're starting to shatter that glass ceiling in regards to that. I feel that, you know, I, I have to say, like, um, our female mentorship that we offer every year through Hurlbut Visuals has this an incredible woman right now called Teresa Varkova. And she's from uh, the Czech Republic. And, you know, she worked on as a, she was like a third or a fourth AC on adventures. And my my first AC, my key first AC, Eric Swanick, saw how intelligent this woman was, how incredibly adapt with translating Czech to English, English to Czech, all these different things that he made her his second AC. And she was the key second AC above everyone else on the film. And she just ran with it. And uh, she was very intelligent, uh, incredibly hard worker, ballsy as hell, uh, would fire back at you, um, you know, the, all the, the right things, the right ingredients to to make it in this business. And... and 
Yeah, if I yeah, can, go ahead. if I can just say because tr- I have the I'm blessed uh, to have Teresa on my team for this year, and she's all of those things and more. I mean, I think this is what women bring because bringing it back to women, Teresa rocks. But bringing it back to women, you know, we're flexible, we're adaptable, we're used to juggling a lot, and all of these traits. Um, come into play. Women can multitask very well. We love, you know, and I'm not trying to generalize for all women because every woman is unique. And I think that they bring their own individual skills and talent. And I don't want this to get into like a sexist thing of who's better men or women. You know, it's, it's not that at all. Okay. Because If you're smart in business and if you're smart in the film industry, you have incredibly talented people with extreme flexibility, be they men or women working together. And I think that that's it because, you know, on my team, I have men and I have women and on set we work with a lot of men and women and they're integrated and it's not an us versus them mentality. And I think that this is incredibly important to hear because this is what the millennials bring. And I love it. They don't see women as not being the exact same as men where the older generation, I think somehow saw them as inferior and inner circle members have said to me that they just don't even understand this. They don't understand why women struggle. They don't understand why they've had a hard time. So whatever you have had in the past or whatever situation you know, you've been confronted with as a female in the film industry, what I would say to set yourself up for success is really go in with all the confidence in the world and build your skill set and get a support network around you. You know, again, we're building our um, female cinematography internship program is one option for support. You know, we've had uh, one, two, three, six, seven people go through it now. Um, I think I belong to a women entrepreneurial group as my support network. I think women need support in a different way than men do. And it's it's because, you know, as I said, we're relationship based. So find whatever support that you need to give you the strength to go out there in the film industry because it's you know it's it's an interesting time it's continuing to change and i think being adaptable and flexible open minded and having a work ethic unlike any other sets you up for success i i couldn't agree more and you know teresa was a perfect example as well as megan Fam uh, was a perfect example of that. They came in and they really just grabbed the bull by the horns and whatever we threw at them, they were like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, What else you got? And um, we've just really cannot thank them enough for everything that they've done for helping us with Hurlbut Visuals, as well as uh, as everything that they've done uh, to help me uh, out on shoots and and on my on adventures movie. I mean, I, I don't think I could have ever done it without Teresa. Um, she was an integral part of being able to bring all the crew, not just the camera crew, but all the crew together, uh, grip, lighting, uh, camera, special effects, everyone. She was an intricate part of just the translation and being able to do that. 
uh, for for this film. But I just want to also say that you know we offer this mentorship to uh, two individuals each year. And um, if you want more information on it, uh, reach out to Anne, A-N-N-E, at HurlbutVisuals.com, and she can uh, hook you up with getting on the list, and you send a letter of intent, you send your resume, and any reel, and then uh, we immediately uh, reach out to you and uh, see if you want to come and join us at Hurlbut Visuals. That sounds great. And I just want to add to that, please do be patient because I wish we could have, you know, 20 slots available. We don't. So we do we do our best and to accommodate you, but just be patient. And Anne is very excited to connect with you. Okay, moving on to the next question. Uh, do you think being in the film industry that you should have a backup plan? And the second part to that, because it kind of goes hand in hand, is any advice for managing my finances since my income fluctuates? And I'm going to take a stab at this, Shane, uh, really quickly with a very simplistic answer. I think when people are, are asking about a backup plan, what they're really indirectly asking is, if I can't make enough money supporting myself as an independent filmmaker, what do I do? Do I train myself in something else? And so the the easy answer for this is don't have a backup plan because if you have a backup plan, it's always going to give you an out to not do the film industry because it's like an excuse to not go all in because your backup plan is always there. However, you do need a backup plan for finances so that you're not foolhardy in, you know, how, paying your bills and, and making sure if you're supporting a family that that's handled. And there are multiple ways to get creative with the financial piece. So I just want to hit that for one second. If you don't know what you're making and you're just starting out in the film industry and maybe you're switching from another career or you're, you know, 18 and just kind of getting into it, um, you really need to have discussions with those around you, whether it's your family, whether it's a spouse, whoever it is, and either try to save a chunk. Um, one of our inner circle members said that he was so excited that, and I don't remember who it was, sorry, but he saved for an entire year so that he knew that he could just really focus all of his efforts on finding projects and shooting and that he had enough money to support himself for that year without worrying about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And not everybody's in that situation. So if you're not in that situation, you know, maybe it is going back to your parents for a little bit or finding, you know, having your spouse support you for a while. I mean, that's what Shane and I did when he was first starting out. I used the money that I was making as a nurse to completely fund our rent, all of our expenses, our food. I mean, Shane was really not making anything the first few years and I was making decent money and I had all the benefits. So it, it's, it's really working with your situation and being smart about it. But I will say that your attitude and Shane will capitalize on this more. You have to be all in. You have to not give yourself a get out of jail free card if you really want to have success, because otherwise you'll always give yourself the excuse 
to not do it. No, I, I absolutely have to say this. I mean, that was, you know, I was at the ASC clubhouse um, last year before the uh, ASC awards. And I think the number one question was was this question. It's like, not only how do you survive in the film industry, do you have a backup plan? And I sat there and a lot of the people that were asking me this question also had a girlfriend or a wife next to them. And I said, you know, is this your spouse or is this your girlfriend? And I said, you know, this having a significant other is a massive benefit to uh, getting into this business and surviving in this business. And uh, I don't think I would have moved as quickly as I did without Lydia, without her finances, without her, you know, bringing in the money and letting me, you know, work on features for free for a year and a half to start my relationships in Hollywood and start to uh, work, get in with different crews and then work my way up the ladder. I mean, none of that would have been, uh, would have happened without having her as, as the, the nest egg, let's say, as this massive support for, for me to be able to just go for it and to not worry about it. So I think that that, that's a big deal. And uh, and I have a funny know. story, Shane, I want to I want to bring up for this, because just so you all, you know, I think that people really look, people make assumptions, right? And I, I think a lot of the assumptions are, wow, you know, we've had it easy, you know, Shane's, Shane's just skyrocketed without any stress or any financial strife or, or just, you know how it is when you, when you see people, you make assumptions. So this little story I think really helps. I remember a time and I can't even remember the grocery store anymore, but Shane and I were in the checkout line and we had to use our laundry quarters to be able to pay for groceries. And and it's not a Ralph's or a Vons or anything like that because this store doesn't even exist anymore. And we were there in the line. It was Hughes. Hughes. Hughes Market. Hughes. And we were <laughs> there in the line and we looked at each other because the bill was more than we had. And thankfully, we were also going to the laundromat. So we grabbed all of our quarters and I think we were still like a little bit short and they, we had to end up putting stuff back. It was horrifying. Yeah, right? we ended up, <laughs> yeah, we had to end up st- putting stuff back. And do Absolutely. we really, do we really need this? Do we really need that? And everybody's staring at you and, you know, we're looking at each other like, sorry. Anyway, um, as a result, but this is what I remember about that. It's not the being embarrassed. It is not the looking at Shane and, and, you know, being like, oh my God, what do we not need? It's the fact that we were fearless, even in that moment, even when we spent our last quarter that we literally had until I got paid the next week, we never said, um, Shane, go take a day job. Shane, go sit behind a desk at a bank. That's what I remember. We were like, okay. All right, this this week's tight, moving on. It was never from a place of fear. And that's what I really want everybody to hear because we all hit those times where you cliff dive and you're like, wow, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the next month. 
you know, and, and everybody in the film industry has that. But if you believe in your ability and you work hard and this is not foolhardy, this is, you know, you're really giving it all you have. Um, if you believe in yourself, it just works out. It, it does. It's amazing. Even if you can't see how it works out. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other thing is, you know, going to the second part of this question, it's like managing your finances. Okay. This business is incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. And you, there, you're going to have times where you are not going to work for three or four or five or six months. I, I, I've had it. I mean, uh, Lydia and I went out on a, on a limb, like she just described at the Hughes Market. Well, let's just add uh, 20,000 more percent on that. And we buy our first home. And then I don't work for six months. Okay. So it's like, how does that factor into it all? Right. So you have to be very, very budget conscious being in the movie business because it's tumultuous as shit. One minute you cannot see, you're like, I, I, I can't, I can't sleep. All I'm doing is working, 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 working. Jesus, my God, I'm working, I'm working. And then crickets. And then you're like, well, is the phone ever going to ring? What's going on here? You know, what's, hello? And you're calling all your friends up and, hey, are you working? Ah, Jesus is busy as shit out here. I'm like, what? It's busy? You know, it's like, I, I, why am I not busy? My friends are busy, but I'm not busy. Am I, do I suck? You know, no, you don't. This is just this business. It's so funny because like sometimes when when my friends are completely down, I'm working my ass off. When I'm down in the toilet, they're working their ass off. So it's like it, it has no rhyme or reason. But the rhyme or reason that you have to take from it, it is tumultuous, means it's a roller coaster. So you have to plan for that roller coaster. And this is something that Lydia and I have been huge about is creating what we call the nest egg. Not having a nest egg is always, it, it, it makes you, having a nest egg keeps you fearless. You got to have the fearless mentality no matter what. But there's going to be times when you question yourself. And I do it still to this day. I question myself. And having that nest egg and it helps the fearless nature. That is what is going to continue to push you and what's going to continue for you to thrive within this movie business. And I think everybody's nest egg is different. And it depends if you have a family. I mean, there's so many different circumstances. If you're a single, single person, um, if you have a partner, as Shane said. So it's really understanding your finances on a granular level and um, also never personalizing. So just one final word on this. You cannot personalize if you get jobs or don't get picked for jobs or, you know, if you're working and somebody else isn't because that will destroy your mindset and that will ultimately destroy your career. And this is very, very important. It is not about you. 
Okay. It really isn't. If you get hired or you don't get hired, if you have five people of equal talent and caliber, okay, you cannot personalize that they didn't pick you. It just was the circumstance. And you, it's not to say that you get angry or you don't look at yourself because you always question like, why didn't I get the job or why didn't that happen? Especially, you know, when, when you're at Shane's level and the talent is all extreme and the competition as is as extreme as it can be, you always need to ask why, but it's, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, you didn't have a particular piece on your reel that they were exactly looking for. So that's all I want to say. Don't personalize it because it will shut you down creatively. All right, let's move on to question number three, which is, this is straight up Lydia's alley and not mine because I just, uh, how do you manage stress? I don't do it very effectively. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I do do it very effectively because the way I manage stress is to just let it all out. It's like, I don't harbor anything in. I, I do not. I do not, uh, if somebody pisses me off, they know they piss me off. If I don't like something that's going on, I voice it. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm very Italian that way. I speak with my hands a lot. I wave them and I'm very passionate. And uh, so with that comes what I call the exhaust mechanism. So, you know, trying to manage my stress is all about the exhausting of it. And sometimes, like Lydia knows, she's at the end of the exhaust pipe. And it's not always a great thing to be in. But I'm trying to manage that much better. And Lydia is now going to tell you how to do that. <laughs> okay, well, I love this question. <laughs> This is such a great question because everybody deals with stress differently. And honestly, this is an important question to me because it impacts your health. So Shane's way of doing it is great because most likely he won't have a heart attack or get cancer because he's letting his stress go. And I think that that's the most important thing that we need to be aware of. Um, mindset is everything and how you view your stress is everything. So I view stress, and believe me, I've had a lot of stress this past week that I won't bore you with, but it's really been quite extraordinary. And um, I view stress in buckets, and certain things stress me out more than other things. So if you can see your different levels of stress as like a bucket of water, and you know you have, let's say, maybe family stress, you have work stress, you have you know, I don't know, research stress, you have health stress, you have all of these different stressors on top of you, right? And so think of it in all of these individual buckets, and certain buckets will bother you more than others, okay? So, and it's it's honestly a tolerance thing, and there is some good stress, it's called stress. and I used to do this when I was a life coach ages ago. So stress is the good type of stress for you, it keeps you alert, keeps you active, keeps your mind sharp. So some stress is good. What we're talking about here is toxic stress, and that's the type of stress that just sends you over the cliff, that impacts you, that gets your cortisol up, that really destroys your body because you know, you're constantly have these bad stress hormones being fired. 
So what do you do about it? Here's what I do, because I think it really helps to have to to get as specific as possible on how to manage stress. Um, Shane and I are both in our 50s. And I have no issue talking about age because I feel like I have wisdom in my life. And so in your 50s, you get stress from all sides because all of a sudden your parents are aging. You have teenage children, most likely. You have work at a certain level that, you know, is more responsibility. So it could be more stressful. And you have friends that have different crises going on in their lives, health and otherwise that you may need to help with, or you may have your own personal health crisis going on, right? Because you're, you know, in your fifties, that's a lot. So every day I start the day and I think having a routine um, is absolutely critical or you don't end up taking care of yourself. So making my bed, meditating, getting exercise every day, every day, every day, every day at the same time, if possible, in the same way. Now, every day is different, but the more you can set yourself up at the start of your day and getting in these habits, the more success that you will have to manage your stress throughout the day. Because if you don't start your day off right, it's a disaster for the rest of your day. You've got to fill yourself up in the beginning of your day so that you can really be calm and navigate everything that comes your way on set. That's how I view it. Two other quick things. Um, Nutrition is critical. Believe it or not, your body gets stressed if you're eating poorly. You have insulin being produced, your pancreas gets overworked, your adrenals gets overworked, on and on and on and on. You can go into adrenal fatigue and you're in a holy heck of a mess. And so nutrition is everything. And we know on set, you know, it may or may not be the most nutritious. So whatever you can do to advocate for yourself there or bring your own food so that you know that you're eating as healthy as you can do and drinking a ton of water because people get dehydrated, you get dehydrated, you get headaches, you get stomach aches, you feel sick. Those are just a few things really because stress is you know, impacts your body. And the less you can personalize everything, the more happy you can keep your mind, not making it about you because that's the ego, but making it about doing the best job you can for the greater good, your family, the production. It's not about you. It's about being happy and giving great work. Well, I have to say that one of the things about stress and managing it effectively is getting enough sleep. Um, I I have to say that uh, the other night, uh, we have this weird, this Italian schedule is absolutely insane. Um, it's good, it's bad, and it's ugly. Uh, they only work six-day weeks, so there's no five-day week. But your six-day you have to have 36 hours off on the seventh day. So what that means is you can never do nights like a normal production where you work days and then you finish on nights, which totally makes sense. Well, on this, it doesn't because they have to do nights in the middle of the week. So on this, we did two days and then we did two nights and then we did a split, and then we did days again. Uh, And that finished out our six-day week. Well, basically what that constitutes is you're not getting any sleep. Um, 
And uh, it came down to the last, you know, that that uh, sixth day where I had only slept like five hours. And I came in and people were not moving very fast. And, and uh, uh, what I should have done is I said, okay, guys, get the crew together and say, all right, this is what we got to do. We got to get this done very quickly. I need your A gang on. We got to move as fast as we physically can because Gabrielli wants to get some more uh, footage of a shot that uh, a sequence a scene that we didn't get covered the way he wanted it. That's what I should have said. What I did say was, where is everyone? Why wasn't this here? Why wasn't that there? Get me the lights, get the camera. So, because I knew this was going to happen and I had us pre-light for two hours. But for some reason, the camera team got me a camera, but they didn't get anything else. So I thought that while I was pre-lighting and everything, I saw the camera there, but for some reason, the whole support staff never showed up and this all the support gear. So when we came in at seven in the morning and I wanted to crack this shot at 7.30 because it was a sunset shot. So I was doing sunrise for sunset. Nothing was there. No video, no monitors, no BNC cable, no batteries, nothing. And then the lights that I said, you know, set all aside these lights, all of a sudden they vaporized. I'm like, well, well I, we were using them the night before we pre-lit. Somehow they got moved. So it's like, I was like, ah! you know, I was in this weird kind of freak out mode. But all right, on with the next. <laughs> Great story. So the bottom line is, like Ariana Huffington always says, sleep is your number one most important thing to manage your stress. And I will say that our doctor feels the exact same way. Shane and I have the best doctor in the world. And he says, if you're not sleeping, it is an emergency. It's a five alarm fire. So because it impacts your brain, it impacts the way that you deal with others, it impacts everything in your life. So sleep matters. Okay. Awesome question. My favorite, personally. Uh, okay. Moving. <laughs> All right. Now we're on to our final question. Which is coming from Daniel G. Hi, Shane and Lydia. I'm happy to be a member of the Inner Circle, and what you guys are doing is very valuable to me. Well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. I've been an independent cinematographer for six years, and sometimes it's challenging to price my day rates. What advice can you provide me with? My second question is, at what stage of your career as an independent cinematographer do you feel that you are at a level to be a part of an agency? I appreciate your response. Okay, so um, I have a lot to say about this. I'll dive in first, and I'm sure Shane does as well. I think, you know, uh, your rate, this comes up over and over and over and over again for us, for members. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've answered this question probably six or seven times. But I wanted us to answer it in a different way where Lydia and I would literally play. She's going to be the producer and I'm going to be the cinematographer. So I'm going to be, you know, requesting my day rate. And then she's going to um, tell me, you know, what she has. And then we're going to go through the situations of when you feel you should do it or not do it. How does that sound, Lydia? 
Sounds awesome. And I'm ready to be that producer. Okay, ready? Okay. Hi, Shane. Uh, This is Lydia calling from Zoo Productions and really excited to potentially have you on our team for the upcoming shoot. Oh, sounds awesome. What do you got going on? Well, it's going to be a challenging day, and I just hear that you're the guy to handle it for us. Um, We've got, you know, a a three-day commercial. We're really excited. Um, It's going to be, you know, long days and um, just wanted to verify that we can afford you because, you know, I've heard you're pretty expensive. Who's, Who's the director? Uh, the director is Scott Waugh. Ah, nice. Okay. Cool. All right. So, um, so three days, what are the dates? Well, it's going to be, uh, let's see, we'd really like to have you on the, you know, the tech scout, obviously on, uh, Monday and then, um, it's going to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for this commercial. Okay. All right. So, uh, well, my, my day rate is, uh, 1500 a day. So I, I, how does that fit within your budget? Oh boy. That's going to be really tough. You know, uh, the locations are killing us on this project and, you know, I just honestly, Shane, I, I don't have it. Um, I, you know, we were hoping for 800. Hmm. Okay. So at this juncture, okay, uh, I just want to tell everyone, like, this is what my agent does. Okay. My agent is this wheeler dealer. And we understand that in the inner circle, you're all like, uh, some of you might have agents, some of you might not. So we're going to take this from the perspective of you not having an agent uh, that does this. So you have to ask yourself three questions. Okay. Three questions is one. Okay, they just told you that you are going to take half of your rate. So first off, you you know you want to make sure you got the boards. You want to make sure it's uh, a cool project if you're going to cut your rate in half. Uh, so if you don't know the director, and it's a new director, I'm all in. Eight hundred bucks, new client. I want to impress the hell out of them. I'm in. Okay. If it's Scott Waugh calling me and says, Shane, this is one for the real and I'm not making anything. Can you help me out? Then I'm all in. Now, if this is Scott Waugh's producer calling and just trying to grind me to save money and put more in the production budget, then you hold firm. Okay, so there's three entities And there's, of course, there's other variables you can play into it, but I try to break it into these three things. How is the work? Is it a new director? Okay. So if if you feel also, if it's a new director or if it's... um, and uh, or if it's a production company that's called you in the past and this is a new director, but you look at that board and you say, this is something that fits right into something that I don't have on my reel, you're doing it. 
right? So it's like there's all these kind of factors and it all has to go down fairly quickly too. It's like your mind has to immediately start to play all the scenarios out and you have to address them because they're obviously... Now, of course, you can say, hey, Lydia, uh, let me get back to you on that and call her back. And and uh, and this is what Lydia and I do with my agent. My agent comes and says, okay, we got this commercial. And this is a perfect one where Scott Waugh did call me. And he said, Shane, I have this Dodge commercial. There's no money on it. And but I think it's something for our real. And we can you do this for me? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. So it's like these are the the, the situations where, you know, you got to stick firm with your day rate and throw it out there what you want and what you're worth. And then based on their response, you have to correlate it into these three to four areas. And okay. that helps the whole process. Right. So I want to add three things here. For the Scott Waugh example, um, at this point, you would call Scott Waugh directly and say, hey, Scott, I got a call from your producer, Lydia, asking for a huge favor for me. You know, we all know my normal day rate is 1500 and she wanted me to go down to eight. Can you tell me a little bit more about this project? So when you're negotiating, you don't necessarily immediately confront the producer. You go to the source and you say, what's the backstory of this negotiation? Because the more information that you have based on the relationships that you have, the more powerful you can be in the moment. And then if Scott is like, oh my God, it's a full budget project. I have no idea why she's quoting you that low then that arms you with information to go back and say, you know, no way, I can't do it for that. Or if he says, hey, Shane, this is for, this is a huge favor to me. I really appreciate it. And here's why I think it would be great for our reels and let's do this and I'll get you with the next one with a full rate type of thing. So I think, Shane, we, what's really valuable for people is for you to push back on me because it's, easy for people to hear the, you know, sure, I'll go for it, but push me back. So let's do it with you pushing back. Okay. So, hey, Shane, it's Lydia calling back. So um, just really need to to lock this crew down. Where are we at? Yeah, I, I you know, I've been thinking about it and I, I, I really think I got to hold to my you know, I, I understand that, you know, you have your budget and, and all that stuff, but, you know, I, I bring a lot to, you know, this project and, and I know that, uh, I got a really kick-ass team around me, uh, that's going to deliver and, and keep it on your, your time and budget. So I, I really want to stick to the, to my day rate of 1500 a day. Wow. Can you give anything uh, to reduce the tech scout? I mean, we're just, we're dying from a budget stance here. We're so over budget already on this project. Well, why don't we do this then? Why, why don't we even set ourselves up for success even more? So you're going to have your tech scout, but why don't we, I'll do a half day on the tech scout and if if it works in my schedule and if I'm not working, when you have the director scout, uh, let me come out 
and and be with the director so I can get up to speed with exactly what he's uh, or she is is thinking, and uh, I can get a minute mainly into their mind space, and then that can help educate the the crew more effectively, and I can get a, a lighting and grip and camera budget to you quicker, so we can have a little more negotiating power and hopefully save the money, and then we can keep our good rates on all the crew and and my rate as well. <laughs> That would be great, Shane. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure Scott's going to love to have you there. Thanks so much. You bet. Okay. So in that example, one thing that I want to just really highlight is everybody has to feel like they're winning in a negotiation. So, you know, because otherwise the producer is going to feel like Shane was just pushing back and not giving anything if he just held firm. And that's the mistake that a lot of negotiators make initially when they're negotiating for themselves. So it's, it's, it has to be a win-win for production and a win-win for you. So it's not letting your rate slide necessarily, but maybe giving an additional half day or something else to production that they can hang on to that they think, wow, he's a great guy. Like, look, he gave me a, the director's scout day if he's not working. And so everybody walks away from that phone call feeling like they gained something. Exactly. I not only gave of a half day rate on the tech scout, but I also gave, uh, you know, half out, half half day of my time if I'm not working to be able to be there with the director. And I'm telling you, I have done this for most of my career, and it is the smartest thing to do on commercials and music videos is to go out with the director on the scout when they're seeing the location for the first time and get in their headspace and immediately you're able to do everything. You're able to start putting camera lists together, grip and lighting. I mean, this last job I did before I came to Italy, it was a U.S. cellular job and Greg Pop was the director. And I go always out with him, uh, just like all the other directors, on the scout. And immediately we were in sync. Uh, I saw exactly what he wanted to do. I already put the lighting and grip package together. They already knew the budget. We were not squabbling at the 11th hour over we couldn't afford this and we couldn't afford that. They already knew exactly what it was affording a week before the tech scout. And we were able to uh, finesse it. So it just makes things so less stressful. And and you not only gave of your time, but you gave a little on your rate, but you kept the main day rate. And And that is the most important thing. That's what I was just going to say. And it's the same with features. It's like they always look to what was your last feature and what was your rate for that. And then you get held to that on the next feature. So it's a very, very uh, dicey, you know, um, game. And yeah, they call it your quote, what you've been quoted at. Right. So we're not agents and we don't pretend to be agents in giving advice. (laughs) I just want to say that Um, we're sharing based on our personal experience and, you know, I've done a lot of negotiating uh, as has Shane. And so this is just our personal experience. If you can get an agent, by all means, take that stress off of you so that you don't have to be the bad guy because it's wonderful to have an agent to be the bad guy because otherwise you're the jerk that held the line. 
Now, there's a way to do it in a kind and effective manner. And, you know, to, to, but that takes a lot of finesse and skill where people don't feel, you know, like they're somehow being rooked or, or, you know, it's tricky. It is very tricky. And honestly, it comes with years of practice and falling on your face. And, you know, because if you have any doubt in your rate, a producer is going to capitalize on it and go in for the kill because, okay. So, um, the second question, at what stage in your career as an independent cinematographer do you feel that you are at a level to be part of an agency? I appreciate your response. So Shane and I were discussing this question, and you know we've seen a lot uh, in our years in the business, and, and there really seems to be a lot to this in that people are naturally bad at evaluating their own work. And the reason for that is because they're so in it. They don't have any objectivity. And the best advice that we can say is don't have, don't try to look at your reel and think that you know it all because that promotes arrogance. On the other side, you can cut your reel and cut your reel and cut your reel and cut your reel <laughs> over and over and over and over out of insecurity in an obsession obsessive fashion. So what we think is that mentors, having a mentor, somebody that you really respect, that is not yourself, that is not a family member, to look at your reel and say, are you ready for an agent at this point? Or do you need to still get exciting content? Because I think what the most demoralizing thing is, is to go to an agent and have rejection after rejection after rejection, because then you really start to question yourself as a cinematographer. Now, really good agents will say, hey, you know what? I really responded to this. You need more of that. Go out there, grab it, and come back to me in, in another year. They won't just offhandedly reject you. And so it's, you know, you're, this is your work. You're putting yourself out there. It's very personal to you. It's easy to get your feelings hurt. And so there's no specific time, right? I can't say, okay, after you've been shooting for five years, you're ready for an agent. But instead of specific times, reach out to the people who are more experienced than you that you really trust and get them to mentor you, have them critique your reel, you know, have them give you honest feedback in that, are you ready for an agent? So that when you do go to the different agencies and you pick the ones that you want to target, you may have a great chance of getting a yes instead of the rejection. Anything else to add to that, Shane? No, I think that's I, I think that's good. I mean, I think the the big takeaway from this is that you know I feel that getting an agent now is more difficult than it ever uh, has been. When I was starting out, there was probably I'd say five hundred cinematographers uh, in the in the business, and now there's probably you know fifteen thousand. So, you know, there's a, there's a big competition out there and there's a, there's a lot of work. There's tons more work than there was uh, when I started out, but there's a lot more people doing it. So agencies, you know, there's, there's the smaller agencies, the, the boutique agencies, there's the, 
you know, uh, middle of the road, you know, more medium budget ones. And then there's the higher budget agencies. And these are the ones that you, like I did, I started out with a very small little boutique agency that just did the music videos and commercials. And then I moved into a higher end commercial agency. And then I moved into a, a lower uh, feature agency. And then I moved into a higher feature and commercial agency. So this is the natural progression that you all will do. You know, you just got to keep very positive about it and know and not be arrogant and and know that believe in yourself and and always take a stab at it. You know, it's like you, you feel very confident about your reel. You like what Lydia said, you know, you go out to your support team, not family members, because they're always going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. You know, it's like I, I, this one thing that Scott Waugh always does, he always shows me his movies prior and I'm brutally honest with him. Gabriel Muccino, brutally honest. Uh, you know, I, I don't try to sugarcoat it ever. And that's what they are counting on. Uh, I have like no filter with that. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. <laughs> To get right down to brass tacks farming. Um, Okay. Uh, But what I will say in closure, because we need to wrap this up, and this has been so much fun. The time has gone so quickly. With an agent, if if they are um, not Hollywooding you, if they're being really honest, they will say, look, you're not ready for me yet, but come back in five years, or I'm excited to sign you. You need to go in there with confidence, with the best reel that you have and, you know, let them know why you want to be in your agency and sorry. And you let them know why you want to be with their agency. Doing your research is very important. I think this is the thing, you know, um, I heard an interview with Billie Jean King and I just want to end with this story. It was a fascinating interview and she talked about how she prepares for a tennis match. And I think in whatever you do, whether it's filmmaking, getting an agent, what, whatever it is, it's your job to prepare and set yourself up for success. So when she's playing a stadium that she doesn't know, she spends as much time researching the stadium and knowing where the restrooms are, knowing the security guard and knowing her drop-off point and knowing all of these details as she does practicing. And the reason for that, and it's actual brilliance, is because anything can throw you off your game. And so you don't want the ridiculous pieces to throw you off your game. So if you're going after an agent, know what the agency stands for. Know how long they've been in business. Know who the partners are. Know where they're located. Know where the parking is. Bring multiple copies of your reel just in case on drives or whatever. You know, um, there's so many ways to over-prepare, and that's your job. So I think that wraps up this podcast. It's been so much fun, though. I miss you, Shane. Yes, I miss you too, uh, Lydia. Uh, This is uh, always a difficult time, us uh, being away from each other. But uh, luckily, with technology and FaceTime, I'm able to see your beautiful face (laughs) every single day. So Inner Circle members, just a reminder, please 
submit your questions to us. We love doing these podcasts. Um, I think, you know, we want to hear your feedback, what you're liking. Give us your feedback on length, on um, topics, on fresh and new ideas that, that you have. We've really been nose to the grindstone working away here at Hurlbut Visuals for the past month um, on our content, on, you know, this ambassador program that we're going to be rolling out. I mean, you know, we've been really nose to the grindstone this fall. So we wish you a beautiful fall. We'll see you next month in October. And that's it for me in All right. LA. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone from Ishka, Italy. Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you love what you're listening to here, go to shanesinnercircle.com. It is knowledge that is forged on the set. This is not a classroom environment. This is boots on the ground, immersive learning that you can apply immediately to whatever your skill level is. Knowledge you can trust, people that care. That's exactly what happens in our loving film community of shanesinnercircle.com. Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And my wife and I have created this incredible resource called the Filmmakers Academy. And we'd love for you to download and rate our app. If you're a filmmaker, do yourself a favor and download the Filmmakers Academy app today. It's available wherever you get your apps, most notably the App Store, Google Play, Amazon App Store, and the Roku Channel Store. The app includes everything on the platform for all access members and from content to community and coaching opportunities, everything you need to master your craft. So download the app. And this is the most important part. Be sure to rate it. Rating us really helps us spread the word and enhance our rankings in this dedicated app store. So if you love what we're doing, this is a way to show it. Together, let's take your career as a filmmaker to the next level.